Welcome to Ladies with Gumption. This is episode number 158, Second Chances. I am Jessica, and I'm here with... May. And Tatiana. We are the Ladies Greek. <laughs> we are the latest recaps. We are latest. We, <laughs> we recap BCTV. Um, you can find us and send us your feedback at our uh, Gmail, uh, ladieswgumption at gmail.com. You can follow along with us on Twitter at DCTVGumption. Um, or you can send us ask on Tumblr, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com. Um, I know we've been getting like, a lot of like Titans <laughs> asks that are like clogging up the inbox right now. And um, they just aren't getting answered at the moment because we <laughs> want to watch Titans. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've seen the say, first two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not caught we will, up. We will get through those. Um, but any other thoughts? <laughs> Maybe we'll get to those a little bit faster. Um, but anywho, uh, you can also you find us all all over the place, wherever you listen to your podcast, Podomatic, uh, which is, we have now expanded into India and africa yeah all all regions of africa or yeah yeah okay um you can also find us on apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher and if you want to get ladies with gumption premium (laughs) you can subscribe (laughs) to our patreon www.patreon.com slash ctv gumption when we are um doing things for you know a little bit outside of DCTV uh, expanding the verse. So we do um, some of the Disney Plus MCU um, verse shows. The last one we did, I think, is Loki. And then the next one coming up is probably going to be Shang-Chi when that movie drops. Has it dropped yet? No, it drops tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. okay. I guess apparently in some places tonight, right? Because right, theaters, right. but tomorrow. Yeah, so um, MCU movies so and good. Disney Plus shows. Um, HBO Max Premium, so um, when we do finally get around to reviewing Titans, um, it'll be on Patreon, and as well as Doom Patrol, <laughs> and um, up, coming up next, we're doing the Suicide Squad. Um, we also do Netflix popular series. I know that, you know, The Witcher is coming back around, Amazon, Prime, The Boys, um, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different stuff. So if any of that sounds exciting to you, www.patreon.com slash cctvgumption. In the news... Um, very exciting. Big news for Batwoman. They cast Poison Ivy. So, Bridget yes. Regan is going to be Poison Ivy for Batwoman Season 3. CW's first favorite. First thoughts? CW I mean, likes I, keeping them in the family. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like sure. the actress a lot. I did not see her in Agent Carter, but I heard a lot about her there. And she's very the Virgin. There. Yes, she's mm-hmm. very... Yes, very much so. Like, every time she shows up on screen, you're just like, ah, this lady. Yes. <laughs> so I think that she'll do a good job as Poison Ivy, for sure. Yeah, she, she has a lot of experience being the femme fatale big bad. So. Okay, cool. I know I saw, like, our, um, someone, I think it was, like, a, a, I don't know if it was a fan art or if she did it for, like, a different role. But um, it was, like, a photo of her, and it looked like vines or some kind of tattoo on her arm. And I really hope that they give her some kind of like vine tattoos or some kind of like a sleeve or something. Cause I thought mm-hmm. it looked really cool. And I think that'd be like a really interesting take. Cause I don't know that they would just like paint her green. Cause I don't think that Batwoman's going to go that right into the, the mysticism or whatever of like, um, powered mm-hmm. metas or whatever. Right, but a chick with vine tattoo sounds very. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. 
Um, DC fandom is coming out October the 16th. So we'll have a lot of DC news for that. Um, I know that they dropped the a trailer for Batman and um, where are some of the other shows that... They're doing all the Arrowverse shows. They're right. doing a panel for Supergirl that's basically like bidding it farewell. They're doing um, Black Adam. They're doing the Flash movie. They're doing uh, whatever else is coming after that. Probably maybe a little <laughs> bit of Aquaman. Oh, at least they started Peacemaker. Thinking, I remember James Peacemaker. Gunn tweeting about Peacemaker. Harley um, Quinn animated series. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that will be exciting. A lot of stuff coming up for that. Um, and I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, there's a, it's that's enough. some big stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so moving into our body of the episode this week, talking Legends, Star Girl, and Supergirl. Talking about our joy, no joy, um, feedback, and our least gumption of the week. So, oh, I guess it's to be like Legends of Superstar. There we go. Legend, uh, Star Girl, and Supergirl. Yep. Uh, yeah, Tati is our host. Yep, and she's gonna take us away. Side A, nasty piece of work slash old fashioned way. Cheers. All right. So welcome to Legends of Tomorrow. The episode was called "There Will Be Brood." Okay. It's kind of I kind of get it. But anyway, um, directed by Maisie Richardson Sellers and written by Ray. Utar Nachit and Marcela Campos Mayhorn. Okay. Uh, Constantine and Bishop disable Gideon and steal the Wave Rider to search for the Fountain of Imperium in 1925, Texas. Spooner and Astra stow away and defend Spooner's mother, Gloria, from having her land taken. Alongside Constantine, they meet a younger Esperanza, Spooner. Uh, Constantine knocks everyone out and reveals to Spooner that Gloria will be killed while defending her land. And that Esperanza will flee into the woods where the fountain will transport her to the future. Because the fountain is an alien being that is a mushroom. And all mushrooms are aliens. It's a magic so, mushroom. Is that what you're saying? Now you know. <laughs> now you know. Next time you eat a mushroom. Okay. Um, that night, Bishop and Constantine activate the fountain. Spooner reveals her identity to Gloria and protects her and her land while Astra sends young Esperanza to the future. Meanwhile... The rest of the legends lure Kayla back to Earth using mixed eggs in order to use her ship and rescue Bishop. But he anticipated this and poisons him, destroying the fountain and knocking out Spooner. Bishop reveals the fountain was an alien. Wait, I just said that. Ta- Tati, I think mm-hmm. you skipped some steps because you were talking about making his eggs and then you said that Bishop poisoned him. Oh, poisons Constantine, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. Um. So, yes, they use... And then he also, like is going to explode the eggs, so then the team has to save the eggs. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Bishop escapes, and Constantine disintegrates at Astra and Zari's side. Yay. So what sparked joy? <laughs> um, Spooner's whole story, honestly. Uh, I think from beginning to end, it was... You know, because I know for the last, I think, several episodes, we talked about how, like, when are we going to get more Spooner? What is her backstory? What happened to her mom? We finally got it, and it was beautiful, and it was very well written, and it was very emotional. And I really love the fact that we didn't meet her in the expected way, because half the time I was thinking that she was, like, mistaken, and this was her grandmother. But then I'm like, that doesn't track either. (laughs) Um, But I really love the fact that, yeah. 
And I really love the fact that we got to have that moment with Spooner because she has been so torn up about, you know, what happened to her mother being hating aliens in general because of how her life turned out and the fact that she didn't get to go up with her mom and also not knowing what happened to her mom. So we get all of the answers here. And I think it was just really poignant and lovely because, you know, so much about Spooner becomes clear and it's just really nice to see like where where she came from, what her mom was like, even seeing her interactions with her younger self and getting more of like protective Spooner because we know how she can be, but towards her mother and making sure that she's not going to, you know, she wouldn't die just because she had to travel to the future. And even like building up more of the Astra Spooner relationship. I didn't really anticipate like this being such an Astra Spooner heavy episode, but I really love the fact that it was because it really brought the feels because you feel like Astra's finally made a friend on the team who didn't have previous relationships with anybody else. And she got to sort of build that up organically with Spooner because they're sort of both in a situation that they've never really been in before. And, you know, they get to get along in that way. And just also, you know, talking about their relationship with their mothers, you know, the whole Spooner's telling her that, you know, what would you do? This was your mom and sort of how Astra caves to that because she would probably do the same, you know? So the whole story was just really well done from start to finish and really hit me (laughs) in the feels uh, very much. So like, Really felt like I just wanted to hug both Spooner and Astra and her mom for the situation that they're in. And it was just really, really well done. I love the fact that they also called back Kayla in the way that they did, like through alien Instagram, basically. (laughs) That was so (laughs) random and um, so unexpected and, of course, very legends. Um, So the fact that she came back for her eggs, even though, you know. It doesn't make sense that she would have left to begin with, but the fact that she came back for right. them and was trying, yeah, was trying to like protect them, and you know, even if she had to leave Mick behind, um, was really great, and it kind of created a something for the other legends to do while Astra and Spooner were on this, um, you know, trip. So yeah, solid emotional outing for a penultimate episode for sure. Yeah, I I really was surprised because like you know my prediction for a while has just been the Bishop Spooner connection. And then last week when we did see them together and there was like no recognition on either side, I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I was like, where, where does this thing with Spooner come in and her uh, alien powers and how did that, all of that play come into play if it hasn't had anything to do with the big bad. Um, so it was really nice to see this kind of where I, when they saw like the promo of them going back in time and, and Spooner's like, that's my mom. I was like, how? Like, did, did did her mom get sent back to the wrong time? Like, you know, what's going on here? And my brain was, like, not comprehending it. Um, but, like, seeing how it unfolded and um, how the story is that, you know, the Fountain of Imperium rescued her. Which I wonder now if, like, look, going back to the Spain episode, if the Fountain recognized her then or, mm. you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And also the fact <laughs> that the fountain seems to really love helping kids when they're in their yes. time of need. Yeah, exactly. Aww. Yeah. So, um, but it was like really beautiful in the way that they, they wrote how, you know, Spooner was in trouble. Her mom was murdered and the fountain is just like, ma- it almost looked like, you know, like Alice in Wonderland ish. Cause it's like a magic mushroom. <laughs> 
but the mm-hmm. fact that it like saved her and sent her to the future and this whole kind of like debate of like now Spooner um realizes kind of the situation that she wants to save her mom there's that whole kind of like timeline circle of logic of you know your mom has to die for you to come to the future for you to go back to the past and see your mom again is you know so i'm glad that they did find like a legal loophole (laughs) so that baby esperanza still goes to the future um but adult esperanza finally gets to save her mom and to close a really painful chapter of her life and not knowing um what happened to her what happened to her mom um so i was like you know just it would be kind of hard for her spooner to have to like see her mom die just to make sure that the timeline stays intact so i'm glad that they were able to find that and i'm glad that the fountain was able to help spooner one last time to give her power mm-hmm. to um stop the bad guys um definitely spoon astra friendship is amazing and i love how it's been building over the past couple of episodes um, and I think it's, like, really funny that the writers would rather focus on this pairing than either of them. <laughs> um, but I really, <laughs> I really enjoy it. I, li- I, like, and I, I like that they're focusing on Spoon, Spooner and Astra because they have, like, a really nice um, dynamic and they bounce off of each other very well. They're both kind of, like, um, kids at heart in the sense that a lot of their childhood was taken from them. So I think that they really bond in that way. And then also, of course, because of how they lost their mothers. So, um, yeah, mainly I think that the heart of the story um, being Spooner's backstory, it's like a nice little complete bow kind of package. Um, And I also like that that it ends in a way that Spooner, we still get Spooner going from here on forward. Like she doesn't stay in the past and we never see her again. um, And we... But, you know, it worked out. The legal loophole also worked out in the way that we still get Spooner in, in the present day. So um, all of that was great. And I agree with you on the alien Instagram. I thought that was that was kind of funny. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, overall, I thought it was, like, a strong uh, episode for most of the storylines, especially, like we already said, Desperance and Spooner. I do feel like you guys that the Astra and Spinner friendship has been really um, wholesome and feels believable and realistic and not like uh, a forced dynamic that sometimes we might have, especially when we're trying to develop new romances where suddenly it's like, oh, hey, look at these two just being here. Um, but this felt really natural just in the way that their personalities uh, would collide and maybe play off each other. And so I also just like the fact that Astra, like, has not had a friend because she's been in hell for so long. So for her to be as fierce about her friendship with Spinner as she was, was very believable. Um, and I liked that. You know um, what, Tati, before you go on, because I just remembered this line that was my favorite line. Um, when Astra's taking baby Spooner into the forest and the, they're like saying their goodbyes and Spooner's mm-hmm. like, take care of me. And she was like, always. Oh, so cute. So cute. That, ah, friendship goals. That is, that is <laughs> yes. I do. I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, they just like they just have a lot of like like the characters just have chemistry, you know, like whether the obviously the actors have chemistry too, but like even like that moment that you just said with Baby Spooners, like you feel like the connection between the characters. So they've built that really well. Um, also, you know, as May had previously said, we have been waiting for Spooner's storyline to drop. Right, like like where is her story? What is her origin? What is it? <laughs> nice to see uh, all these sides of her. Um, and really understand where she's coming from, right? And what she would fight for, right? 
uh, with her mom. So that was that was a really sweet um, and wholesome and bittersweet storyline. Um, the fact that the mushrooms are aliens is very Doctor Who. Um, that was funny. <laughs> I like I like that that whole uh, perspective and the you know like rescuing of the eggs and Kayla coming back for said eggs as you said at even at the the risk of Mick right he's not as important like his importance is the eggs so like that's fine um, but yeah, I did enjoy that like getting to see that bit of teamwork um, and getting to see how far Mick has come too right from not even like wanting to be here half the time to really actively. Um, putting himself out there and sticking his neck out for his children. Um, so yeah, I don't have anything to say about the John storyline on this side of things. So, mm, what did we not like? <laughs> the John storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we haven't been liking the John storyline, but I think this was the worst part because, and I know that Matt Ryan hinted that oh like yo is john so dark and blah 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 and this is how his story needs to go out i I was like like... such yeah exactly right he's telling the episode but it's such bullshit because the way that they Mm. went about it a we didn't really like we got john but it was all about him working with bishop and then finally you know he tries to one up bishop you know he tries to level up with the mushrooms and he does not win he does not succeed he's not mario (laughs) 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 and the fact that he dies at the end with zari nowhere in sight even pissed me off because this is a character who has been like trying to get his magic back And then at the end, he was trying to fight for himself very briefly. And the team was going to start fighting for him too, only for him to not get that chance to be redeemed at all. Like there was no fighting chance of that whatsoever. And it's very frustrating because the team was so far removed from his story here. You know, I know that story-wise they isolated them because of course John was going to do what John's going to do and he was going to die at the end but that's what was so annoying because it didn't need to happen that way and I feel like they could have sent his character off without having to kill him like like you said last week Tati I think you know maybe go go somewhere and be redeemed to like some magic magic rehab rehab. that would have been preferable because it would have made more sense I never am a fan of of being killed off and like that's your it's like a punishment because he didn't really learn anything. He didn't get a chance to learn who he was without magic. And mm-hmm. we'll never really get to see that anymore either because next season we know he's not going to be playing John Constantine. So it's like. Right. Even more preferable would have just been if he had died last week, like trying to save himself, like trying to save Zari from like himself. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that other version, whatever. Like that thing, right. if he had just died, then that would have just been better. And, and like even the thing about that thing is that, it didn't even matter in this episode. It like there wasn't any actual other version of himself. It was just him being an asshole. So. Yeah, it's just like a really, it's a really dirty way for him to go out of the show, and it's just distasteful and I think disrespectful to the character because I don't think that John has to be dark and broody, and I don't think that just because he's on Legends, he's gotten away from himself because that hasn't really been the case. And I feel like they're just making this up to justify killing him off of the show and i don't like that at all um and so beyond the john portion of the story pissing me off i also didn't understand like i said earlier kayla's back yay but again why did she leave (laughs) 
that part really didn't make any sense because if she was going to come back and be protective of her babies, like, did she not think that Mick was going to give birth? Did she think that babies were going to die during birth? I don't understand. So that was really strange, too. It just felt like a weird part of the story that they didn't really explain and they just decided to bring her back because they needed to at that moment. So, And also, I guess I guess Mick is dead. Maybe he's not. But if that's the case, too, like, I, I killing know. him... Kind of like- Placenta birth protecting him or something. I feel like maybe, but, gonna I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to be a part of next season, but I'm sure he'll show up, but still Would like in the promo for the right. I don't think so. Would they be getting? I mean, I guess they would, but I'm like, would they just be like, what are you? <laughs> he died valiantly protecting his children. <laughs> that makes more sense than John dying. It would explain why, um, what Dominic was like pissed off and, you know, trashing, the yeah, show, yeah. but I don't know. But it still makes more sense than John, the way that John went out. So, yeah, I am pissed in the highest of keys <laughs> about the way that the legends killed John off. And I think it's just like the whole, you know, episode, there is no kind of redeeming spark in John until he was like poisoned. And then he was like, oh no, right. I failed, you know? I regret my life choices now. Yeah. And then I think that, like, like I said earlier, that's even like worse in a way because, you know, you had like the holdout that it was the beast that was doing this. Like, they're two separate things. Like, the beast and and John are like, you know, battling each other in his like inner whatever. But no, it's just you know, it's just him, and it feels very out of character that it isn't something else because of all of the growth that John has had during his seasons on Legends, all the growth that he had on in his relationship with Zari. And it's just like, you know, when the whole team goes to confront him and he basically is just like an asshole to Zari and, you know, it turns out to be like an astral projection. Um so like all of that he was an asshole to Astra. Um and so all of that is not explained away as something that's not being John, which makes it kind of like worse. It's like the continued like character assassination of John. Um and then, you know the fact that he would steal Spooner's blood or make a deal with her um to get her blood to to force his way into the fountain when the whole thing about the fountain is that you have to be worthy of it. The fact that he would want to go as far as to uh, make up a serum with Bishop to trick the fountain into giving him something, all of that. And and that, all of that not being blamed on the beast or whatever magic blood magic he was drinking that he got from the vampire, you know, it just kind of like takes away from, John, mm-hmm. um, the fact that Zari, like in the postmortem for the interviews, they're saying how, you know, oh, it's so great that he got to say goodbye to Astra <laughs> and, and Zari. I'm like, where? <laughs> where where <laughs> did she say goodbye to Zari? She found him and he was already decomposing. Like the yeah. mushrooms were pulling him into the ground. So, um, you know, and I, I think that was just like to have even like Zari go through the growth that she went through and opening up and um, admitting that she loved John. And even after he was an asshole to her, continuing to like fight for him. And then she doesn't get to say goodbye. Like, I know, like, I guess like in a later 
next week's episode some kind of way that they'll get to say goodbye to each other. But it's just like, you know, very, very upsetting the way that they chose to like just disregard this relationship, disregard John's character growth, and not send him out on sending sending him out on a low rather than sending him out on a high. It's just like really offensive to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I mean, that's my, my main concern. Yeah. And I, I, get, I get what you're saying about, like, Kayla. Because it's just, like, I don't know if it was, like, in whatever her and Gary's species. Because I know, like, the males are subservient. So did she just back, you know, Mick to just take care of her kids for her? And she'd come back 20 years later and collect them? Like, I don't know. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll just start off by saying I agreed, like, it didn't make sense that they got rid of Kayla and then brought her back, like, just so that, I mean, was it just that she wouldn't be there last episode? Because then she'd be too helpful? I don't know. Um, I don't know, but it was dumb. Uh, however, it was easy to ignore because the biggest dumb thing, the dumbest thing, was the John storyline. And I totally agree with everything. I echo everything you guys said. It felt really disrespectful to John as a character and to his growth. And it was, like, literal character assassination. Why would John, the John that we've come to know, do all these things? Or even the John I watched in Constantine many moons ago do all these things like it doesn't really feel like it came from an organic place in his character and it felt like they were maybe doing a storyline about addiction but like that's not how you end a storyline about addiction (laughs) (laughs) so bleak and did not care about my family and then i died (laughs) okay thanks (laughs) thanks for that um like there was a way to make it the kind of story that i would expect to see on legends which would have been the whole team trying to help John with this and trying to make him see that he, like, you know, they had a couple of scenes where Zari's like, I love you and not your magic in previous episodes. And you're like, yeah, that's what, that's where you would expect the storyline to go. So then he would end up having to go to rehab or whatever, whatever takes him off the show for a little bit. But instead, not only are we getting like the lowest possible ending for him without a real goodbye to or from Zari and without any real, like, connect like it doesn't feel like he has a connection with the rest of legends like there was at least there was Astra so he got to say like he was glad he you know got to steer from out of hell or whatever but we don't like does Sarah care about him you know like we don't know we don't really get to see anything um from the rest of the characters and the other connections that he has built over like I don't even know this is many since it's been now it's been two or three but he's been on there uh longer than uh a lot of legends so it's especially weird if, if if the actor had to leave and so they had to like come up with a way to write him out, then this would be like maybe acceptable. But instead, it's like they're gonna bring him back as someone else. So it's just kind of like throwing like pouring salt in the wound, right? Um, I also don't know how Matt Ryan is so cool about it because if I had been building that character for that many years in that many different iterations, right? I mm-hmm. would probably be like, this is not correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Throw the script and walk like away. I mean, I, I guess he still wants exactly. to continue check for next season because otherwise, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. We'll have like a tell-all <laughs> book in like five years. He's like, this is how I really felt about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have like a like an EW will come out with an article like you know what I regret about my time on Legends. I really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad that we found out through that whole little like whenever it was we found out that his name wasn't on there anymore. Right. And we realized that he was that constantly going to be leaving in the season. I'm so glad we got that so that I was able to just, like, detach myself from it. But, like, now talking about it, I'm very upset all over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't upset last night. Last night I was like, whatever. But, or whenever it was that I watched it, not last night. Whenever Legends was. Oh, no, I did watch it last night because I didn't get time to watch it on Sunday. So I got to watch it many days after y'all did. But anyway, 
point is it sucked and I don't like it. And it, I guess I just feel like they just don't know how to do character exits. Like, have I ever been satisfied by a character exit? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I think every single time that a character has exited Legends, it has been either just dumb or horrible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, at least, like, Vixen's sort of made sense. Mm-hmm. But otherwise... Yeah, I guess, Vixen, yeah. you know what? Vixen, Vixen's was okay. Um, And I guess the tops i didn't even care that they were there in the first place yeah. but at least they got to you know go off together and live whatever life they're living yeah but, yeah, yeah, but everybody else is just very upsetting mm-hmm. yeah so anyway thanks for nothing legends <laughs> um do we have feedback we do from both shang and suara Let's so shang says hey there lovely ladies Legends feedback. Spooner and Astra, fruity, so fruity. Make them canon, you cowards. Girlfriends who murder for fun. Absolutely. <laughs> the height difference. <laughs> the fruitiness of the height difference. Also, Astra making uh, Spooner a fork again. Love to see it. When did she make her a fork? In this episode? I don't remember. Oh. Well, Shane caught it. I thought that was a metaphor somehow. Well, no, because she, like, in her, in the animated episode, she made Spooner a fork. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I was say, it was like, is that, like, somehow a metaphor, like, saying it now? Like, I don't know. Anyway. I don't, I don't know okay. if she said it. Okay, okay. we'll go back and watch, because clearly <laughs> Shane caught something we didn't catch. Um, this is literally Spooner and Astra playing girlfriends, only for Spooner to disappear, and I really don't want to lose my friend. You mean your girlfriend? I'm about to <laughs> Um, props to Matt Ryan's acting because I never once actually cared for that man until two episodes ago. Um, three, maybe if Rael gave constant, this is this is um, Shang's mother, motherland, Fort Salem, Legends crossover here. Maybe uh, if Rael gave Constantine some pointers about mushrooms, he wouldn't have died. Lesbian power squire, always. Um, I think the whole arc is very realistic addict behavior, and I think our reaction to it is also very realistic to when addicts die. The thoughts of, huh, what? That's how he died? The death feels so preventable yet tragic. But that's the whole point. It's not about him dying because of a mushroom. He died because of his arrogance and blindness from his addiction. My grandfather passed from opium addiction. One day he was here, the next day gone. Death is just like that sometimes. No explanation or closure. I actually like that he didn't go out in a big sacrificial bang. I was afraid that the writers were going to pull a I will die and be redeemed for my shitty behavioral trope. I'm glad they did not. Constantine was his own collateral damage. The con man ran out of tricks. He killed an alien that saved children. He died with remorse, and that hits hard. Uh, and finally, maybe the legends are going to travel back in time to stop Bishop, and we would see Constantine again, but I think he still dies. Maybe they would use the sacrificial trope then, and I think he would get two runs. And I think we would get two runs at the wedding, one before the time travel back, and the other one at the end of the episode. So that's a good point about maybe a time travel thing, bringing Constantine back and giving, maybe that's how we get, like, the Zari conversation. Like a a goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And then Swire says, hello, ladies. Oh, my God. Legend seriously seriously blew my expectations out of the water this week. Maisie did an extraordinary job in directing. This was a brilliant culmination of Esperanza and Astra's friendship and connecting through their shared trauma of losing their mothers. Maisie was truly effortless at capturing the emotional core of these characters in this episode. That's one thing I think we should acknowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. CW surely didn't and promote her episode. (laughs) It was her directorial debut. 
and, and there was none that. of like the yeah. pomp and circumstance that I didn't even know that mm-hmm. she was like directing until I saw like the actors actually promote her. But anyways, right? Anyways, um. He says, I loved, loved, loved the resolution that Esperanza was able to get with her mother, helping make sure she actually survived and returned through her time travel mechanics and not breaking her own timeline. I felt like it was deftly done. Even though I didn't like it, I have to say the Constantine plot and presumed, of course, we'll see, death was well done. I'm excited for the finale and I can't wait to see how they go ahead with it, even if it'll break our hearts. There we go. Yay! Do we have predictions for how it will break our hearts? I have no expectations. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I can't Shang believe we're coming up on a finale. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that the next one is the finale. I wonder how, yeah, I think they could have used maybe a couple more episodes because it definitely doesn't feel like, because the Avalanche wedding is next week and it's, after all of this, I feel, it feels kind of odd to be jumping into that um i guess so soon after a character death (laughs) yeah and after like a prominent character like they're friends with john so it's like i guess it's kind of the i mean except like it's kind of sort of like crisis right because it's like they were planning the wedding and then all this stuff happened and now they still have the wedding right because in the midst of death we are in life (laughs) like i kind of get it but just in terms of i don't know like the build like obviously bishop is out there and he's a clear and present danger but I don't know that the like normally I feel like we would have ramped up more to like a climactic battle than I feel like we yeah, did. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, because we, I now that Earth, when Bishop's like end game is yeah, now that I mean I guess like, I would guess you yeah now that Earth like, he wants to reboot Earth open stuff, right? for alien invasion. <laughs> I think it would have been more interesting had they been battling those aliens from the start, and then we would have seen his like plan unfold or something. Because yeah. now to like mm. fight them in like one episode is gonna be I don't know rushed right. or something. We shall see. Yeah. I'm sure Legends will offer something that is satisfactory and enjoyable because they usually do. (laughs) Uh, Even if I don't like their character exits, I do usually like their um, group and plot resolution. You're good on Legends so long as they don't want to write you off the show. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or put you in a relationship with Nate. (laughs) Right, exactly. Stargirl, let's go. Stargirl. Summer School Chapter 4, directed by Leah Thompson again. How many and chapters of Summer School are we in? I think the whole thing is just Summer School. It seems, it seems like Stargirl Summer School. Uh, and written by Taylor Stites. As Pat considers whether he should come clean to Courtney, and Eclipso, to Courtney about Eclipso's past, a surprise visit from Croc and Paula catches him and Barbara off guard. Sportsmaster and Tigress escape from prison to see Artemis for her football tryouts and ultimately tell her the truth about their imprisonment before agreeing to sneak back into prison. A tense run-in with the Shade provides Courtney with some valuable information. And finally, Cindy recruits Isaac and Artemis to join Injustice Unlimited. Okay. What do we think about this episode? Or what, sorry, what sparked joy? What sparked joy? Um, You know what? It was nice to see um, a little bit. It was like surprising i guess but to see so much of artemis um and her relationship with her parents like you know they may be criminals and they may be like murderous people but they are some damn good parents (laughs) they are very much actively involved in their child's (laughs) life and care about her success um breaking out of prison just to see your child 
at a football tryout, which why are they having football tryouts? Well, I guess, you know, football tryouts during summer makes sense, but having a recruiter come to watch during summer, I don't know. Anyways, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed their relationship with their daughter. I thought that was um, um, really cool to see, even though they're villains, they're also like parents and humans. Um, I liked some of the interactions between, you know, the two, the odd couple of um, Pat and Barbara versus Paula and Crusher, you know, we had that little tiny start of a friendship last season with Pat and Crusher when Crusher thought that Pat wanted to join his gym. Um, I thought that, you know, it was really cute that Paula and Barbara finally kind of like de-iced around each other when they both were commiserating about how hard-headed their children were. Um, I thought that was funny. Um, I liked some of the, I thought, you know, I was close on my prediction because I was like, you know, there's got to be some kind of time travel. Beth is talking to the real Charles and she is, she is talking to um, Dr. Midnight and he is alive, but he's in the shadows. So that's like a cool kind of like twist. And so now we can kind of like move forward there. And speaking of the shadows, I love the shade. I feel like he's the best villain they've had yet i like that he's still not completely trustworthy like he's very very gray um and so like the whole um scene with him and courtney and the that weird bookstore thing and you know he's kind of like sowing little seeds of um doubt that pat may not be telling the whole truth um but you also don't trust him either so it's very interesting kind of line that they're walking with him because you know Dr. Midnight still wound up in his shadow some, somehow. Um, I like Courtney more this season. I think I feel like she's taking her superhero role more seriously and doing like the due diligence. Um, I like that she is being more transparent, trying to be more honest and open with Pat and Barbara, even though they're not being honest and open with her. I like that she and her team, they hit the books <laughs> and are doing like research on the Black Diamond and, and all this kind of stuff. So it feels like they're really... Um, you know, starting to find their groove and gel. I like that we get more best story with her parents and trying to figure out what's going on there. Um, even Gus squeezing a little cute um, hour night scene at the diner when Courtney leaves and Ilana goes back to her job and they just share like their little milkshake thing. Um, so yeah, I've, there's a lot of like really good elements. I think Stargirl continues to have some like strong, strong episodes. I agree. Um, I really unexpectedly loved Crusher and um, Paula. Like, they were just... I understand now why they want to make them series regulars in season three. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> They're very entertaining. They're very passionate. Very, like, always energetic. Very, like, on all the time. It's ridiculous to, like, a ridiculous degree. But I love how much they love their daughter, at least. Like, you know, they and can each be villains or whatever. And each other. So they're very, like, loyal to their family. And I, I like that a lot. And it really shows that they just really want the best for her. And they're, they want to make sure, like, she has her, you know, healthy snacks. She's like, you feed your children junk food. <laughs> Barbara <laughs> felt so judged. <laughs> she's like, I'm, so sorry, sorry, I'm a regular mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's like I don't have wheatgrass I'm sorry <laughs> so that was so funny and just seeing like how difficult being in a foster home is for um, Artemis right now she's and so it's sort of, high maintenance it, she's I so felt high sad but she's so high maintenance yeah but even I mean and I understand like 
despite the high maintenance portion of it, like she was obviously well loved by her parents. Yes. So it doesn't yeah. compare at all being in a foster home with someone who clearly does not care. Um, and it's interesting, like this, the show is sort of having a message on foster care in general, because we saw Jenny also not be in a home that's oh, like yeah. so great either. And you're like, hmm, yes, the system um, sucks. So it was just <laughs> see the contrasts um, between Artemis's like previous home life and her new one. Um, and also how that opens her up to being, you know, approached by Cindy and influenced by her for sure. Um, so I loved all that. And I even loved the parallels of, or like the parents talking in general about their kids. And despite them being on opposing sides and having battled each other last season, they're just like, yeah, we agree on this. You know, our kids are very difficult sometimes, but they're always trying to do their best and we want the best for them. So that was really sweet. Um, I also loved the fact that we get, we're starting to get like small details over the course of each episode about like what happened with the JSA and like how everything kind of came to be that night. So we're getting like little, you know, the mystery's unfolding and that's really inter- been really interesting, especially on the Pat front. Cause he's always been like this very, you know, loyal character, very honest character. And now he's not being that. And I think it's an giving us an interesting layer to his character. Um, whereas like Courtney is now the opposite. She's the one who's been wanting to be more open and, communicative and all this other stuff so she's like really upping her game and it's been really nice to see but also like hurts my heart the fact that it seems like there's this wedge between her and pat right now that you know she's like more trusting of the shade because he's the one telling her the truth versus her dad so that sucks um but still enjoyable as like character developments um Beth and Rick, poor Beth, like I feel so bad for her, but I love the fact that we're still getting little things like she's just in denial of her parents getting divorced and she wants to see if she can still get them back together. And then her and Rick like kind of having that moment. But I just love the whole the conversation all about the dog. It's like, what what kind of dog is it? It's like a big one. Like, Greg, could you be any more vague? <laughs> he can pass his like makeup test for that teacher, but he cannot lie <laughs> about the solving or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the shade. Oh my God. I love him too. He's just the like the actor just nails it. He's really good at like, yeah, you're, like so in, you're so intrigued. Yeah, yeah his style. His he's got a lot of flair. Um, and he's just like there's an allure to him. You know, you want to know what he's all about, but you're also kind of scared to know what he's all about at the same time and I think he plays that really really well and it's really interesting to see like he's a villain but he's also he also didn't kill Dr. Midnight even though he you know left him in the Shadowlands but he didn't murder him so it's interesting to see like again the the various lenses that we're seeing what happened Christmas night 10 years ago so all of that is really interesting I don't have anything to add, but <laughs> I did very much like um, this, like peek into Artemis's uh, life and her parents. Um, I liked how they sort of like played on the expectations of it, right? Because uh, everyone's really nervous the first when they break out and they're like, "Oh, what do they want?" Um, and you know, obviously, you're like could be worried that they're gonna try to restart the ISA or like do whatever they're gonna do, right? And the scene with Pat and Barbara um, versus the Croc parents, Tigers and Sportsmaster, um, was like 
adorably awkward and also like just a little bit tense, right? Like he's like, okay, and Parker's like, okay, I'm gonna go to the kitchen. I'm gonna, you know, like, what are we gonna do about them? Um, but then, you know, once we realize that they're just there for their daughter, that was like a really nice um, reversal of expectations. Um, and I thought it was very heartwarming to see them together uh, and to see them like sort of reveal the truth about themselves to her. And I guess we'll see where that's gonna put her, right? Like, is that gonna make her more likely to turn to the dark side? like them or to like maybe realize that that's not as triggered idea because then you go to jail <laughs> i also want to know how they got how did they get out of prison like how did they right. manage to do they <laughs> they broke out and how they managed to get back into prison that's the right. better question right. <laughs> how are you going to like break in have a whole episode about just that journey like from their perspective yeah. and that would have been that would have been hilarious but anyway point is they are they are fun characters i look forward to seeing more of them um it gives us more than just like the one, the really one dimensional view that we had of the ISA in the first season. I think there was like, maybe Henry was like the only one that was like not super one dimensional back then. Um, so now we're getting um, a, a couple more sides um, of Artemis and of her parents, which was great. I also, um, I also agree with you guys that the shade is getting better and better. Like, I like that you don't really know if you can trust him and that you don't even really know. Like, for this, it works that we don't really know what his agenda is, right? He has come in and he has said, like, hey, this is what I want to do. And it actually sounds reasonable. And it's believable that Courtney would, would want to believe him because he has the power, one would think, to help stop the Corso, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, if what he's saying is true and my parents are not telling me anything then maybe I should go, I should work with him a little bit because we have, we have a, a, whatever, the same goal. So I like how we see Courtney arriving at this potential decision and without, like, even if it's probably not going to be right, right? Probably the shade is going to be the big bad in the end. And we're going to have to, we're going to be in a worse, in a worse situation after we deal with him. It feels like she, you know, it was like an informed decision on her part. So like right. Jessica said, she is trying to take her job more seriously. She is being less, um, she is diving into things less. She is trying to like really like think it through. And yet sometimes mm -hmm. you can't always be right. You know, when you're a teenage girl in summer school trying to also be a superhero. So I like that. I, I feel, it feels realistic and it feels like the show is very subtly pushing forward in the plot. Like not much, not like not much overtly is happening each episode, but we're putting the chess pieces in place in order to make whatever the big move is going to be. So I like that as well. Um, yeah. Okay. What what did not bring joy? <laughs> um. Well, I as much as I enjoyed some moments in the Barb Pat Crusher Paula house scene, I feel like it lasted way too long. I feel like some of the awkward pauses were awkward for a lot longer than they needed to be. And we're spending like a lot of time in this scene. Um, I felt like they could have hit their notes and then we could have done something different. So that's just kind of like a minor thing. I'm just like, okay, I get it. It's funny. They are, they tried to kill them last year and now they're on the same side. All right. Um, and I think I'm sorry. I don't remember if it was one of you or both of you, but I'm definitely moving towards your theory last week that Pat is not being entirely truthful about Christmas night. I know, yes. I know May said something and I, I feel like Tati, you either backed it up uh, or you're like, yes, yes. you agree. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think that you guys are on the correct path because it didn't, it doesn't feel like he is um, 
being as honest and the fact that, you know, the shade was, and this is like coming from the shade too, like the fact that Dr. Midnight isn't dead. Um, he's in the shadows and the fact that the shade keeps oh, referencing. Oh, I've heard to say that. Joy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the shade keeps referencing that what the kids think happened to Chuck, they don't really know what the story is. And that being um, cutscene to Pat and, and Barbara and, and Pat talking to Barbara about like Eclipso and, you know, them both agreeing to not tell Courtney the whole truth. Um it just seems like there's something more shady going on than we know about at the moment. I didn't like that they, you know, you know, parents or whatever, but I didn't like that he and Barbara were playing like secret keeper, especially because like we said in the joys, Courtney is doing her best to be more transparent. She, um, like when she found Pat at the game with the Crocs and she's like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, Oh yeah, there was no time. But if it is a partnership, because he wanted her to tell everything that she was doing, you know, she could have, he could have been like more open and transparent with what was going on. Cause she could have like run in there, you know, knowing that the Crocs had escaped from prison and just totally not knowing what the deal was. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bit, you know, disappointed in Pat and, Oh, that reminds me. I have a theory that goes to shady Pat. So I guess I'll, I'll try and say that for the predictions. Um, <laughs> And then let's see, Artemis again. Like I like that we got Artemis a backstory, but she still seems. I thought she seemed a little wooden in the first season, but I was like, okay, she only had a couple scenes. But now she's getting like more, um, especially since she's going to be joining Cindy's. Like, I don't know if it is Artemis's personality or the actress playing her, but it just feels a little bit. Um, I don't know. There's still it's not sparking the way that I would like it to spark a little bit. Um, and I also feel like I wish she was Jade and not Artemis. Because um, I just don't feel, I guess I'm like Young Justice, Artemis is like all up in my head. And it is not the one I see on the screen. So <laughs> pers- mm-hmm. personal problems. Um, and then Isaac, I didn't even know, like, he's so bottom of the barrel. I forgot that he was like the former <laughs> principal son. I forgot he was in season one. Like, I was like, who is this? <laughs> so I feel like, like Cindy is like really scraping like the bottom of the barrel for the friends. Um, and I, I, I still don't know that she has a lot of, I feel like she's got like aspirations, but, um, it just kind of seems like she's floating along in her plans. She seems less mastermind, um, than she probably should be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't really buy into her whole persona just because they're, they're showing us, glimpses of something she could be like it definitely seems she is just repressing all of her emotions she does not want to feel them she doesn't want to think about them so she's going down this path but I don't I guess like what is the purpose because she's already defeated her dad so like what is she trying to accomplish especially seeing as how Eclipse's powers clearly scare her so it's interesting that she doesn't even try to get away from him and is just continuing to recruit people onto her team and even with Artemis I don't I don't buy that she would be recruited so quickly just because of what's going on with her parents because it feels like yes Artemis's life is not as good as it used to be right now but also she learned that her parents were lying to her so like 
Why would you want right. to nearly follow in their footsteps after they just told you what happened to them and they want the best for you? Doesn't seem like right. she's going to have yeah. a future. Yeah. I feel like that goes like back to like her personality being just like kind of, you know, angry and mm-hmm. like her rage issues, but it's just kind of like, mm, yeah, like for one second. Fully. Yeah, it doesn't. And for one second, I honestly thought that she was going to become like weird friends with, you know, Courtney. Like, they're going to have this strange understanding, at least to some extent. Yeah. But that did not happen. It was just very, it was a flicker, but it did not uh, happen. But maybe in the future. We'll see. Um, uh, but I think, I, I agree with you about Crusher and Paula, that it lasted too long. And only because I feel like we're getting shortchanged with, with the main friendships like Courtney and, and Yolanda yes. and Beth yeah. and Rick and all of them like we don't really see them they're only ever really interacting when it comes to like researching the shade or talking about yes. Eclipso and stuff like that so I would like to see like they're they're not in school anymore I mean they're sometimes in school but summer school's only like till noon or whatever right so like you guys should be hanging out and doing teenage things that teenagers do and go to pet like, to, like that's yeah <laughs> Have a life, guys, and just enjoy each other's company. And I would like to see that so we can more or build more towards their friendship and developing that friendship. Because I feel like right now it's just very superhero only talk. And I don't really like that, especially when everybody else can is talking about a lot of other things. Um, and then, of course, I don't like, you know, Pat hiding things and then. I'm, I'm happy he's being honest with Barbara but I don't like that they're both not being honest with everybody else especially knowing that like how can you think that Eclipso is this big danger and hide the truth from your kids knowing that they're probably going to battle him at some point so they should know and have that all of that information so that they know how to go about this and aren't as hurt as they're probably going to be when he finally shows up so it's just a whole like superhero genre i must keep some secret from somebody and it's just like no you really don't <laughs> so that's frustrating yeah i um i didn't feel like on my own that the that the like home scene <laughs> or face-off scene or what do you want to call it was too long but i do totally agree that it feels like they're shortchanging the main uh, friendships this season. I feel like I have barely gotten a glimpse of Yolanda, Beth, um, the other guy. Rick. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Rick. Last season. Um, just, just, I don't like, I don't know. I feel like the first episode had, had a good amount. And then from there, it's been like barely perceptible. And I know we have new characters introduced and new villain dynamics to reorganize, but it definitely feels more lopsided than it did last season. I'm not sure, like, what the reason for that is, but, you know, hopefully it'll just, you know, come fall back into place, as it were. But speaking of villains, while The Shade is definitely an improvement, I don't feel like Cindy is a believable villain. Uh, Maybe that is the point. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that is the point. But, like, first off, she doesn't feel like a threat. Obviously, she's being controlled by Eclipso, so, like, that's fine. But, like, I don't feel like we're seeing much of, like, what is Eclipso here for? And, like, Eclipso's lack of endgame is not as cool as Shade's lack of endgame. And I feel like it hinder- like it hampers, like, what I would be more on edge if I knew what was being planned on one hand while Courtney and Co. are much more in the dark. That would be more interesting to me. 
Um, but here I'm just like, well, I'm sure something's happening because it is a season of television, but I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> and I agree, you know, Isaac just bottom of the barrel. Um, Artemis, why would she, like, she, it definitely, I would have expected her to go the opposite way, right? Now it's like, okay, now I understand what my parents were doing and I know what they want for me, so I want to do that. And instead, it's like you guys said, just gonna do. Or maybe it's like know. they were so much cooler as villains. Why do I right? not like? <laughs> Let me join the family business. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what it is. But I will way, be you better than you because you went to jail and I will not go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, it just doesn't feel like like these like the creation of this new set of villains just feels a little bit like. Like, and 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 you know like obviously the turning point of Cindy's stepmom slash mom whatever she is getting murdered is was a big deal and I thought that that was almost too soon but now that it happened I don't feel like Cindy has really changed like I don't feel like anything's different she's still like you're listening to me and then the the close was like yeah I am <laughs> and that's it and I was like wow <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of push and pull here so much tension growing so um so yeah i think that they could step it up on that side of things as well as i will repeat this until we get summer school activities where is the summer school why did you like it summer school like it just i feel like it's just summer school so that there will be fewer people wandering the halls i don't know why else it's summer school um okay or, yeah, that's, either that's that or they point. just to have they don't have anything fun they don't have any ideas of what to do with like kids unless it's like yeah, in a school setting exactly. they're like <laughs> cool <laughs> kids in summer school awesome like what like, if it was summer camp and there was like in, you know Sydney was recruiting people in summer camp that would actually oh, be hilarious that would be fun do that. <laughs> but it will it's fun <laughs> anyway um, um, do we have feedback we did not None I'm gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna recruit some of y'all. Some of y'all. Exactly. Some of y'all gotta be I know y'all are Star Girl fans. And you're watching <laughs> in front of Supergirl. Send us your feelings. Okay. <laughs> um, do we have predictions? Well, I was just gonna say this is like this is like going into like really shady pat territory. But I remember in I think it was the season premiere, we saw Starman trying to find his way to Pat. So I am now starting to question, you know, with everything that, you know, all the shadiness of what Pat is saying happened versus what other people are saying happened. How did he get the staff? Did he steal oh. it from Starman? Oh, no. You know? Mm. The accusations. Was he responsible? Did, he, <laughs> did, he, did something that he do, like, push Charles into a shadow and lose him forever? Like, you know. What are you hiding, Pat? It would be interesting, too, if he didn't, if he lied about Starman being dead to begin with. Because otherwise, like, I don't know how yeah. they're going to explain. I, you know, because you, like, you get kicked down so much. We talked about, like, why Pat yeah. is such a format for Starman. He Maybe finally Pat lost had it. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe what happens when you bully people. <laughs> Maybe Eclipso got to Pat, and uh, that's what he's trying, that's why he's trying to keep them away from Eclipso, because he... Oh. Yeah. This is a dark theory. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like it though. I think it would be interesting to see at least parts of that play out. 
Mm-hmm. I think it would be like a nice reversal from season one where Courtney's having to like make up mm-hmm. to, to Pat and the adults that season two, you know, now it's Pat's turn to actually make it up to the kids. Yeah. And she can know that adults make like mistakes. It. Adults make mistakes too. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. I, I see right. it. I see it. All right. Side B work release with its one show who's about to be released from work because they are about to finish their run. Supergirl. Directed by Shannon Coley and written by Karen E. Mazur and Emilio Ortega Albrich. In a dream, Mia unsuccessfully tries to reach her late mother when Nixley appears. She says she's trapped in the dream, but offers to bring Mia's mother to her alive for one day in return for Nia freeing her. As she promises to then return to the fifth dimension afterwards. Against her better instincts and against the advice of a very persistent owl, uh, Nia finally agrees. Meanwhile, Andrea continues to urge Kara and William to get human interest stories about the super friends, while Kelly is assigned to help an alien boy who is acting out with his superpowers. The boy's brother is in prison, and Kelly and Kara soon learn that his much-lauded work release plan, which Kara herself lauded in an earlier interview with the warden, um, has been corrupted and is using the brother and other superpowered aliens to steal parts for a dirty bomb. William and Kara finally identify the warden and known crime boss as the plotters, and Supergirl convinces the unwilling perpetrators to surrender. Andrea is pleased with William's live interview with Supergirl, defending the now-reformed work release program, while Kelly covertly exposes the boy's abusive foster host. With Alex and James's support, Kelly plans to take on the role of guardian. What sparked joy? This was a really um, strong Kelly episode. After so long, we finally get some food. Um, and it was really great for her to show off the fact that, you know, her journey towards becoming guardian as, you know, Street Fighter guardian, but actually her being her superhero ability being her empathy and how much she cares about helping people and you know specifically like Alex also being super supportive of her because she's always been super supportive of Alex and it's nice to see Alex finally be the one to you know encourage her and support her and be her rock um and Kelly like really just had so much agency this episode too it's like she was the one going obviously doing her job in social work and helping the kids not only helping the little boy and his brother uh, with regards to unraveling what was going on with the prison system and like how they were being exploited as workers and helping you know the foster kids get a new foster parent because this lady was just awful in general um because the airverse apparently it's like a theme they just don't like foster care, foster care <laughs> at all um and so it was just a really strong episode for her and getting to see her tackle it on the emotional side and also getting to work with the super team and research all of this stuff as well and i think it was i assume this was like supergirls um BLM-esque episode with regards to like prison and showing how terrible private prisons can be and how exploited the prisoners can be regardless of whatever it is that they did. They're just always mistreated Um, and kind of even like showing it was interesting to see like 
Kara's side too as a journalist who was always optimistic about these things and thinking the warden was doing such a great job when he was not and he was taking all of that money for himself um the little intergang mention they always drop so naive right like yeah i was like he's a warden (laughs) of course he's not gonna care about should have been suspect number one (laughs) come on yeah it's also really interesting too like just because we see this in journalism all the time right people taking at face value what people say to them out of a press release or whatever and not really digging any deeper because they told you they were having a good time. That doesn't necessarily mean that they were. Um, so that was really interesting too. And yeah, I was just, I think it was like a really, really strong episode for Kelly and just, it felt natural to go from her not being in obsidian anymore to doing social work to wanting to actually help out as guardian and it being her decision and like Alex and James already supporting her and already having the helmet ready for her when she actually took that step towards becoming um, a savior in the city. So I thought it was really nice to work in her job with a super friends um, case as well and make it very personal while also speaking to the larger fucked upness of the system. Yeah, you know, I think one of my favorite parts, uh, Joy's about this episode, I was not expecting, like, Alex to be as supportive. (laughs) Just because usually, we've talked about it before, it just seems like it's very lopsided that, you know, he has to cater to whatever is going on in Alex's life. So it was a nice, like, reversal that Alex was, like, asking active questions about how Kelly's day at work was and, you know, with the you know helping her out with her her social case and making her feel good about herself you know like I like that they had that conversation where Kelly tells her about um her hallucination on the ship and how she feels a little bit insecure um sometimes being around the super friends and I like that Alex is like you know okay, but you you saved us, you protect us, you're a protector. You know, I like that, you know, Alex was there not only just to listen to the story, but also to boost Kelly um, and, you know, tell her that what she, that she does play an important role. Um, so it, it, it kind of felt like a, like Alex's position with Kara, like if Kara was going through something. This is like the Alex support role that we would see with Kara. We're getting it with Kelly. So I thought that was like really, really great. Um, I, Ooh, I, I love that they finish each other's sandwiches. I was like, that was so sandwiches. Cute. That was really cute. <laughs> oh, and that reminds me of my other favorite when she was like, um, uh, when they were doing like the game, and she's like, this woman should be queen, and I was like, Meghan Markle. I was like, yes, <laughs> Meghan Markle stands. <laughs> um, so that was really cute. I, I I think social work is a great role for Kelly, um, and a great transition from Obsidian. Um, it makes sense. I like that. The, I think the little kids in the house are really cute. Esme, which we'll be seeing more of her. So adorable. And she's argued her fact about, that was my bread, and you said the rules were. This is unjust. I was like, oh my god. Right. <laughs> she's really, really cute. Um, and her, like, interactions with um, with Kelly were really cute and a lot of foreshadowing there. Um, I liked that, um, you know, I think the story was good, too, as far as... Um, the little boy being concerned about his brother and um, them, you know, trying to work through the system. Um, I like how 
uh, Kelly's social crossover with the Superman's case of these aliens, um, like how it's all happening. So I like that there was like crossover there. Um, I do like because I might go into the uh, in the dislikes later about Kara's naivete. But I do like that when they do uh, catch up to the uh, alien prisoners that have been born that they didn't believe Kara and John, first of all, that, you know, let's just go back and make it right. Like, I don't want to go back there. Like, first of all, I shouldn't be in jail in the first place. Um, or my sentence shouldn't be like what it is. And now I've been abusing the system. And you want me to go back and be like, you know, expect them to treat me fairly? Like, I don't think so. So <laughs> I like that, you know, they voiced that to Kara and Kara heard it and used her voice and her power, uh, her platform to advocate for these prisoners that had been uh, abused by the system. Um, like that Kelly was able to um, do some good. She got, I can't remember the little boy's name, but she got him with, with his brother Orlando. And then also was she did- Was it Joey? Some, I think it, maybe it was Joey. Um, but at, at any yes, rate- Yes, Joey is correct. Okay. Uh, the fact that she got them reunited um, and also saving the other kids in in the house, and I like that Esme is the one that kind of gives the guardian's name a new purpose. Um, and it's not just Kelly being the guardian because James was the guardian. It's because Esme was like, you know, you're our guardian angel, and that kind of plays into, you know, Kelly's like mission statement as taking on this guardian. It takes on like a new form under Kelly um, because of this like interaction. And I was also surprised, again, at the end about how um, Alex was so supportive that she had talked to James already and had this guardian helmet waiting for her. Because I thought for sure when Kelly um, told Alex that this is kind of what she wanted to do, that Alex would be like, you know, the protective, oh, no, I don't want you to get right right out and get in in trouble. She's changed her ways. But she was like, you know. (laughs) I like I've got you a helmet. I've got your training schedule. <laughs> Let's go. So that that was like um, really pleasantly surprising. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought this was a great episode for Kelly. I'm so glad that we finally got to really delve into her passions and then like her empathy and how empathy is her superpower. Like Alex said, uh, it was so lovely to see her with uh, Joey and to try so hard to help him in his own situation as well as reaching out you know working with Kara and helping Orlando as well I thought that was really nice um I'm very excited for Esme I hope that they adopt her or whatever I was like I'm like ready I was like Chris is like is she gonna adopt Joey is she gonna this other child (laughs) who are we gonna adopt let's adopt a baby now so um so yeah I'm glad that we're finally uh, getting to see her and her element because it felt like it never really felt like um you know, Obsidian or Kako or like whatever was really like where she belonged. So this feels much more like a natural um, fit for her. And like you already said, you took the words right out of my mouth. Who knew Alex could be so supportive? I was so glad to see Alex <laughs> finally in that role with Kelly um, as she should be. Like finally Kelly's getting the chance to shine and Alex is being like her rock. That was really nice to see. Um, also nice that James got a shout out at all. Um, and I do feel like this, like, vocalization of what guardian means is what we've, like, you know, 
something we could have easily done with James, but like they never really cared to express it like correctly. So just kind of like, yeah. well, James needs to do something. So here we go. So now it just it does feel like this is like yes, this is what Guardian is for, and this is why Kelly, someone like Kelly, would want to take on that mantle. Um, so that was really good. All of that was good. Um, I also really liked getting to see this integration of journalist Kara with Supergirl. <laughs> Supergirl as an icon. Uh, it was nice how they actually managed to connect so many of the storylines. Like, okay, Kara and William and kind of Nia are supposed to be doing this. So we connect that to what Kelly is doing, right? And then we connect that back to Supergirl slash Super Friends. And then, you know, Nick Slee's in Nia's story. So then there you go. Yeah, everyone's everyone's got a little connection there somewhere, except for Lena, who I guess is off visiting her mom. And we just don't really see that. And I just remembered that that didn't happen. Um, so anyway. Um, but where's Brainy? Well, yeah, Brainy. Well, that's going to be in the lack of Okay. Place. Flew All off right. to Argo City or something. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yes. Um, so everyone who's like there is getting to do something, right? And that's it's nice to see all the storylines connect, and it feels balanced in a way that Supergirl hasn't felt in like a while, <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> um, also, I I'm glad that they didn't just like write William off because they decided not to go that route. I'm glad that we're <laughs> actually getting to see them be like platonic, passionate journalists together, um, and it does feel like natural and easy, easy, enjoyable to watch, but also like a good way of tackling that side of the Kara story. Also, I like that revelation of like, Andrea does kind of have a point, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're breaking important stories if no one cares to listen to them. So you have to have a method of hooking people. And sometimes you do have to use that. Sadly. Yeah, garbage (laughs) clickbait to get them to read the one thing that actually matters. So um, Kara proved that with her... um, with her interview like okay if supergirl says it people will listen right like okay that makes sense i also thought it was cute when william was like i'm so sorry if supergirl came to me like what was i gonna do turn her away come over to you <laughs> he like, he scooped, like he scooped, i scooped your snores car i'm so sorry myself william it's okay <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like, i would love to see Kara trying to interview herself <laughs> oh my god that'd be so fun <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'd have like uh, Alex in a wig and the Supergirl suit, and then you just have like the recorded or the, like answers. the it, No, she had <laughs> to like do it simultaneously. Right. So you get like a little bit of like flash feed where she's like going back yeah, and forth. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just have but like, go have, like anyway. Alex be like the cameraman. Just like focus on me <laughs> and then yeah, focus exactly. on one person. Like don't like, focus why on both of us. So shaky. It's kind of weird. Like why? Is <laughs> there was one episode in I think it was like the New Adventures of Lois and Clark, but like they were interviewing Clark or Superman or whatever, and then mm-hmm. they or they were accusing Clark of being Superman. He's like, no, I'm not. He's right there, and it was like a hologram of him. <laughs> 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 oh, they thought they could get him. What did not spark joy? Um, <laughs> the Nia portion, as much as I did like her trying to connect with her mother and, you know, still continuing on that thread of her missing her mom and wanting her mom to train her with her powers. I really didn't like the Nixley portion because it felt like it was, it didn't feel organic to that particular story because. I don't understand how Nixley got into Nia's dream to begin with. And also, like, Nia 
knowing like I know that she doesn't know how to interpret her dreams, but the owl a pretty big damn sign. Yes, sign, like, right? Like it. it's, that's known to like everyone, regardless of whether you study dreams or not. It's like, oh, an owl. This must mean something. And he was and, very literal when they said, yes. "Don't do it." <laughs> he said, "Don't do it." And There's even no, like the the, the birds that were flying towards her mom were keeping her from seeing her mom, but they were also attacking Nixley. So it's another sign that Nixley's not a good person. You should not trust her. So it was just, <laughs> I felt it was like made Nia kind of look dumb to mm-hmm. cave in just so she could see her mom for 24 hours knowing that she was making like the wrong decision just to get this person out and I don't like that Nixley's return is going to be Nia blaming herself for letting her out to begin with it's just like we've been here before why do we need to revisit this again people blaming themselves for like a villain or whatever and I just feel like Nia's much smarter than that and they really had to shoehorn Nixley in there because I forgot that she was <laughs> she was in the season to be honest but I feel like they could have done it in a different way because if she had flown onto the ship then she would have arrived on earth just like they had and just right. disappeared so that makes it doesn't make any sense and I don't understand right. why it wasn't there um, and then I think that like we said earlier you know Batwoman did social justice stuff much better than all the other shows and I think Supergirl tried and i think that they did a generally okay job but i feel like there's still elements of oh my god i can't believe this is happening (laughs) um and it's especially like i said in the journalism world where you like you could have done a little bit more research rather than taking the warden at face value so i feel like that shouldn't have really come as a shock funny because like afterwards um when you know, they do finally, like, the thing happens when they figure out that it's the prison, like, the prison system behind these break-ins, and then all of a sudden, there's, like, offshore accounts, and what kind of warden has an expensive (laughs) car? I'm like, (laughs) you didn't didn't look at any of this beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, I don't know, the information was right there for you, and you're Supergirl, and you have, like, all of this technology, and hacking or whatever to get this information so it's not it's not news and nor should have should it have been news living in the world that they live in you know as however parallel it is to ours and especially with like all this shit that went down with the aliens and what's his face agent liberty and all this other stuff so it shouldn't come as a surprise but anyway it is what it is yeah i mean i feel like i feel like a lot of things like that happened in this episode just to make it fit the plot. Um, Because like the first time when Kara was talking about how she wrote about the second chances program and how they got so much money from her article. And now like, this is, you know, there's this um, thing that maybe the prison system is using prisoners to, to do gang related stuff for profit I would have thought that, you know, when you make the connection that so many money, they got so much money coming in for this prison system um, program, that that would have been like a red flag right there, that maybe something is is not right in this world. So I just feel it in, you know, and Kara's like, well, I don't want to believe that he's behind this or the fact that when she went with Kelly and he was so... um, abrupt about how 
you know, everything is fine. We take care of our prisoners. I would, I will personally look into it for you. Those red flags number like two and three, you know what I mean? So I it's feel like, like HR looking into their own. Um, exactly. It's a like, WB HR team. Yeah. It's like, of course you're not going to find <laughs> right, anything wrong. Right. <laughs> so like, I feel like she is so super naive. And then I also feel like that you said with um, Supergirl, the social justice program, uh, like storylines, it can be a little bit, you know, why didn't you know? And I feel like a lot of it has to do with the fact that Kara is an alien, but she's still white. Um, and so when she's trying to relate to like alien immigration issues and all that kind of stuff, it just feels like, but you look like a white blonde woman um, and everyone loves you because everyone loves Supergirl. So she's not very relatable to other alien issues. And that goes back to like when they did find all of these. And, you know, um, that's the other kind of thing with Orlando and Joey's story, because Orlando looks like a black man. Um, he when their parents died and he tried to do things the right way, he couldn't get social services benefits. And that kind of led him to, um, you know, making the desperate decision that got him in jail in the first place. So the systems of Earth do not benefit all aliens the same that don't look like Kara. And I feel like she does not always get that like when she's right. like yeah let's all go back to jail <laughs> like no <laughs> i will not go back to jail no thank you um so it was, i mean it was good that she kind of like got their point afterwards and used her platform to to protect them from going back to jail but it was also kind of like come on cara <laughs> like <laughs> they're in the spot in the first place because the system is not fair why would you take them back to that system and be like, you know, this this happened, this mistake happened, and, and expect like it to go fairly again, <laughs> you know? Oh, and then Nia, <laughs> the whole Nia subplot. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> it's like the whole Nia subplot was just really contrived to bring Nixley back into the main story. I'm like you, I don't even know how she is not in the actual living realm to begin with because we just saw her like hanging off that spaceship. So how did she get stuck in Nia's dreamland? Um, Nia making a deal with Nixley, it needed that another thing that needed to happen, but it was just so such a dumb decision. And I think Nia, Nia knew she was being dumb when she made it. Like you said, the owls was a pretty obvious sign. All the birds attacking her. The fact that um, that Nia that she wants to bring back someone from the dead, and Nia's like, that is the darkest of magic, you know. <laughs> She's like, no, I can't do this. Um, so you have like all these like things. You know, and then she still like goes through with it because she has to 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 move the plot along. And also, you know, if she's going to do that, fine. I only need to see that like in like two or three scenes max. Like it kept coming up, and she's having the same dream and the same pattern of dream over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like it took up too much of the plot for something that I already was like already a foregone conclusion in the first time that they did it. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that. Like, while I think that it's a like, interesting direction, um, like, I do like that we're exploring Nia and her mom, and I do like that we're seeing Nixie again. I agree that it, A, took too long um, and was too repetitive, and then B, just isn't believable. Like, I just don't believe that they built up Nia's, like, like why is Nia so suddenly very focused on seeing her mom? That 
she would accept Nixley's deal and make. Her mom's gonna come back. It's like, I can talk to my mom for a day. So I don't know. I feel like it started with the like travel back, right? They travel back mm-hmm. in time and it's like, oh, her mom's alive at this moment. So like I could speak to her now. So I get how that would spark something. But I feel like they could have developed in other episodes more reasons as to why like she wants to be in contact with her mom or like she wants to like, like was there like a, a falling out or like whatever, you know, like, or is there something going on with her sister in this moment that would make her want to reach out to her mom? But instead it just kind of like is in the background. And then suddenly, yes, I will <laughs> open Pandora's box with Nixley in order to get my mom back. Seemed a little bit like it was a big, a big stretch. I also just, Nixley just wasn't convincing. Like I was like, okay, well Nia's going to turn her down. But then it's like, but then what's the point of the story? Of course Nia has to not turn her down, but I just don't, believe i don't believe that she got there you know she obviously did but i don't feel like it was realistic right that being said yes where is brainy like i mean i know that they have like a lit brainy and and lena have like reason to not be here like kind of but like it does feel like again for a final season we're not getting a lot of certain characters i guess brainy had his moment in the time travel episodes um but i don't remember when lena last had her moment <laughs> so <laughs> So anyway, um, I feel like maybe uh, I hope that they're back soon and that we're getting something big with them before the show ends. <laughs> uh, anything else? I don't know. I mean, I agree with you guys that Kara was way too naive. I feel like it's been six seasons now. Like she should have like <laughs> got grasped a little more nuance at this point. <laughs> um, but I guess I'm, like, willing to overlook it for the sake of the story. However, I agree that, like, as an investigative journalist, A, <laughs> she should be able to to notice when something is off. And then B, just, like, as Supergirl, someone who has been interacting with fighting villains for however many years, you'd think she also would notice when she's talking to one. So. <laughs> That's like some cues from, like, Ronan and Pharaoh, you know? Just expose everybody. Just exactly do that. Do the job. <laughs> so do we have feedback i guess i also like don't get what her deal is with the super friends like i know andrea is like being like hounding them about the super friends but also Mm -hmm. it's the easiest pieces that Kara could write because she knows all of them um i don't know why you can't just like you know throw a bone or or manipulate the super friend angle into something that satisfies Andrea but also you know gives the super friends like an additional platform so I mean I get like her whole like journalism real journalism thing but <laughs> obviously she was not doing real enough journalism herself she didn't catch that warning thing so I don't right. know <laughs> but um Suarez says Supergirl this week was good love Kelly stepping into becoming her own hero uh through her social work I will say I wish there was some more build up to it in terms of seeing her actively fight villains like the ones mm-hmm. in this episode. Oh yeah. But for what they presented, it's clear that her heart is what drives her to do the right thing. Um, and I think like also, you know, we forget or it's not really brought up as much that Kelly was in the military. So I assume she had some basic training that she keeps up with. I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, he says, as he did an amazing job writing and I can't wait to see guardian in action. Is, this isn't the episode that she wrote, though, right? Because I thought that's 612. She wrote 12, yeah. Right, okay. Um, also, like Nia's plotline with Mix- Nixley, I found the ending where she kills Albit 
a bit contrived, though, and I think they could have done a better job at showing exactly why she distrusted the owl. Oh, well. Also, Andrea sucks. She just really sucks overall as a character and honestly has been one of the worst additions to the show, in my opinion. Hopefully, she has her redemptive moment soon. It was great watching Supergirl work with her super friends again, and I can't wait for them to take on Nixley. And then um, Shang says... If Kara gets developed... Uh, sorry, if Kara gets depowered at the end of the season, I'm going to be so upset just putting it out there. That, that's I random. I as well. That is random, and I hope that doesn't I, I wonder if that's, has that been hinted, Chang? Like, yeah, somewhere? Maybe we're know. just out of the loop. But that does remind me, though, I did forget to say that I did think that the, the leap to Guardian was, like, a bit... We could have had an episode for a that. A bigger leap. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, just because, like, I thought, that, like, this is, like, the first time we're really getting to see Kelly do the social work, too, you know? Yeah. So, I guess if she was a bigger character, of course, then they would spend more time, like, an episode of getting her adjusted to social work, and then an episode of how that transitions to Guardian. So, for this, it was, like, the way it seemed was, like, hey, I can actually make a change as myself in this position, especially with my connection to Supergirl, you know? But then she was like, no, I must also be Guardian. <laughs> Which is fine. Like, I totally understand. But I didn't feel like it was really played out on screen, the Guardian part of it. So I do agree with that one. Okay. Um, Shang also says, so his, I guess his prediction is Kara, maybe, I don't know. Because if she goes to Argo, then she wouldn't have any powers. So that could be oh, a okay. thing. Maybe oh, she goes to Argo. Mm-hmm. Um. He also says, honestly, Andrea is actually a really nice boss. She gave me a mental health day. And yeah. God knows God knows how she hasn't fired Kara yet. But also, jump off a bridge so one of them will catch you. Interview them on the way down. Honestly, I would, if I get to be in super cool, strong arms, like, Shang is all for you, but I would do it. Um, he said, can we stop, can the writer stop trying to make political commentary because all I do is miss the mark. The bigger problem is the system, not the individuals. Having a pretty white woman say she relates to a black man is very tone deaf to say the least. Uh, she should have learned from season four's arc about her power, about power government institutions and alien expectations. Right. And it's disappointing, not gonna lie. Um, finally, I will die for Kelly. That's it. That's all. Really, God, she be my therapist. When? Elmayara, shame. <laughs> That's it. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Do we have predictions? No. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great. <laughs> well, thank you all for coming. Um, <laughs> Lady with gumption of the week. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do we um, have nominations starting with the first show? Legends. Legends. I guess Spooner would Spooner. be. Spooner, yeah. yeah. Spooner, Spooner for sure. For, for Legends. Um, I say Paula for breaking out of jail to go see her daughter. Or, um, I would also say Courtney. I would put Courtney in there because she was right. doing her due diligence, doing mm-hmm. the right things. Okay. True, true. And, and then, then Kelly, obviously. Kelly for Supergirl. Like yeah, Kelly, of course, for Supergirl. So, um, in our uh, face-off, I think it's got to be Kelly versus Spooner. Kelly and Spooner, who wins? Yeah, 
Uh, whew, I want to say Spooner. Yeah. Because she had a full emotional arc and it Same. was very personal mm. and she was able to find a loophole she, she, like, while also protecting her mom yeah. and her friendship she, with Astra. She closed the loop <laughs> and saved her mom. So I think that's, and, and Kelly's just starting. So yeah, I think Spooner okay. gets it. I, I agree. I think that Spooner really like, you know, had that full, that full trajectory, um, full of gumption all the way through. So yay, Spooner. All right. And now, thank you all for coming. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at <laughs> GCTV Gumption on Twitter. Ladies with Gumption, wherever podcasts are found. Send your feedback so that we have something to read. At Come on, Stargirl fans. <laughs> at gmail.com or ladieswithgumption.tumblr.com. Thank you all and good night day. Bye.